The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow, joined by my usual lovely uh, associates. We've got Rachel, uh, the associate producer who has the face of an angel, mouth of a sailor. Although I've discovered that I now need to introduce myself to my clients by saying, I do curse. So the people feel, and then they always breathe a sigh of relief. I think that sort of takes the formalness away, and because we're going to spend a lot of time together. So, and also Karen Rastel, who's incredibly distracted because she is the hardest working lender in the state of Indiana. Hi, Karen. Yeah. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Putting out fires? Maybe. I'm yeah. trying to. Well, you've had a lot of fires lately. Yes, I have. <laughs> we had a crazy one last week. I, I don't. I don't even know if I could explain it. If I tried, I tried to explain it to some people that we were sitting at a closing and finally realized that the title company had done the title search, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks, uh, on the wrong property, and we were pretty much done signing everything, and it really changed like everything. We were like, put the brakes on and went, oh crap! Yeah, and that was a fun one. That was a fun one, but everyone pulled together, and that it- was. They, yeah, thankfully we started that closing in the morning. Yeah, we did have all day. <laughs> then there was enough it. time during the day to get an updated search and then all new documents and all well, of they that. They had a so. guy, had to pull a guy off of one county and have him drive to another county so he could do a search real quick on the piece of land that yeah. hadn't been searched. And it was crazy. But you're right, things like that, um, it does speak to today's show because we pulled together as a team. And I think even though there was maybe some frustrations amongst parties, I mean, I know my buyers were awesome. They were like, whatever, you know, they, they, were just, they just won the house. Yeah. They were super cool. But, you know, we all worked together with the common goal and the common cause. Um, and in today's show, we we're going to talk a little bit about unreasonable sellers. Yeah. <laughs> you go, <laughs> they're, oh, they're, they're really? such a thing. Such a thing. Yeah. You know, I always sort of, you know, it's like the weekend before the show and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do the show on? What have I been dealing with a lot lately? Mm. And it's unreasonable sellers and 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 really some unreasonable buyers too, but none none of my clients. It's always the other side. But, um, you know, I just have this philosophy that I've really started to embrace over the past few years. And that's, you know, that we can create win-win situations for buyers and sellers, that it's not always this combative us against them mentality but some people do and you know sometimes buyers are afraid to ask for things because they're just sure that the sellers are going to say no 
and they don't even give the sellers a chance to make repairs or, you know, whatever it is. And I just think if you approach things from more of a win-win, like let's figure out a solution that works for everyone. I know that's a little Pollyanna-ish. No, I was just thinking, I think last week or the week before, because it was a two-parter, one, you had mentioned like... Don't be an asshole? Yeah, don't be yeah. an ass. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. The, yeah, no, and that's side. kind of where it's coming from. So, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about Sellers, I don't want it to. I don't want this show to be negative, so I have to ask you and Rachel. I know I always say that, don't I? Like I'm afraid I come off as snarky. I don't know. I've been saying that that the same. I've been saying that a lot too. I've been prefacing everything, but then I have to step back and go, no, this is just the way things are, right? And this is how we have to deliver well, the I information. You know, I don't want to be one of those like Real Housewives where there's always like snarky and combative and whatever, which I guess means I'll probably never be famous and. Oh, but you're famous in your own right. I have more here. than 20 listeners on this <laughs> show. But, you know, uh, have you ever seen, and, and you probably haven't because you, you're too cool for talk radio, um, except for this show, but like, you know, Handle on the Law. Nope. He's on, in our area, he's on Saturdays, like from four to seven. So like if I've been working all day long and I'm driving home on Saturday evening, then that's when I hear him and he's an attorney and people call in and they ask him questions. He's like super combative towards them, like berates <laughs> them to the point it's, I mean, but it's funny and I don't know why it's funny. Cause like when I watch real housewives and they scream at each other, I get really uncomfortable or like survivor and there's conflict i don't like that but this guy it's hysterical because he's just like what makes you think you're gonna win that case you're an idiot okay bye bye yeah. <laughs> like, maybe so. i need to listen to him so he's pretty funny because he always has people calling in and saying oh there was one the other day this is nothing well it kind of has to do with real estate that the guy called in and said that he had helped his kids get a release a restaurant space in a mall and but they weren't they weren't handed the keys for possession until two months after the lease was signed. And so they wanted to not pay the last two months of rent of the lease to kind of counterbalance the two months that they didn't get the keys, right? Okay. So you're having this conversation. He's like, well, you can't really do that, but you can certainly go after him for this. And, this. and then all of a sudden it comes out that the lease started four years ago. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four years ago, it was a five-year lease, and it was, like, coming towards the end. And so that's why they were having these. And the oh guy was like, you're stupid. Hangs <laughs> <laughs> up on <laughs> So, yeah, talk about procrastination. I felt pretty good about, you know, my to-do list because nothing on there has been on there for four years. So, so there you go. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. But um, I don't know if you've seen this, Rachel. You know, I proclaim to be a fan of Chip and Joanna, and obviously I'm a horrible fan. I, I deserve no uh, recognition as a fan whatsoever because I had no idea that she had a magazine out. Did you know that? No, I mean I like watching the show. I mean yeah, at least you at least you know of the of the uh, current events and and those different things. I I don't even paint. She has a magazine more. out called like Magnolia Journal. Okay, of course she does. Yeah, okay. I well, I just want to make sure everyone knew that because I just stumbled upon that yesterday and I was like, what? I guess I'm not surprised is what I meant by of course she does. Right. But all right. Well, I know one of the uh, one of the magazine editions had like a peek inside her closet so you can dress like Joanna. And it revealed that she uses pre-made pizza crust, but she does make her own pie crust. This is important stuff, people. I don't know. I have to change my opinion about her. And she prefers oh Christmas over Thanksgiving. I'm teasing. Okay. There you go. Well, you know, she can't do it all, so. True. 
True. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to talk about, we're just going to get right to it today. None of this trading spaces, HGTV. I got, I got nothing on HGTV. Um, so, okay, so you promised to not let the show go in a negative direction. That is correct. I'm not complaining about sellers. I'm just nope. encouraging people to be a little bit more realistic. I, I sent Rachel this video to post on Facebook, and uh, it was something that came up about 10 years ago when I started in real estate. And I remember watching it for the first time and literally laughing so hard I was crying because the pain was so real. It's one of these like computer generated. Um, so the voices are like robots, like, okay. Rah, 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 like All that. Right. Okay. Um, but so, and I think it's one of these, you could like hire, like someone wrote the dialogue and then you hire out and somebody puts it to animation. Okay. And it's this guy, he's like, I would like to sell my house. And the realtor's like, okay, you know, asking questions and stuff. And he's like, my house is the best house in the entire planet. <laughs> he keeps saying things like that. And it's just so funny. And he just keeps asking questions. And he's like, but I have granite countertops. That's like all he kept saying. I have granite countertops. And she's like, I'll show you where to stick your granite countertops. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's hysterical. I can't wait to watch it. Okay. So Rachel's going to put that up. But um, So I just am trying to help sellers kind of back off of that a little bit. But I'm also trying to, well, you know, one of my goals for today is to try and help buyers figure out how to deal with when they do run up against unreasonable sellers, because in a seller's market, uh, you do run up against unreasonable sellers. Um, crazy is a word that we are using a lot um, in today's market. I can find my notes here. There we go. Uh, and so Rachel had brought this article to our attention. I know we've both read it. Um, a day of insanity that typifies Toronto's housing market. So I thought it was a little comforting to know that we're not alone in this world <laughs> and uh, crazy markets that the, the Canadians who Rachel said, I always thought Canadians are such nice people. I said, I've always had really good experiences with Canadians. Absolutely. I'm very good at partying. I, I enjoy that. These Canadians are crazy. So I'm going to read this article. This was a, um, we talked about this, I don't know when it was, several months back on some of these real estate gurus. And you can go to these shows and they're nearly not what they think. And that's what this story is about was that this, uh, they were attending one of these expos. So if real estate were a religion, Elijah Joseph would be a believer. He is 24 years old and he has devoted his future to erecting properties trimmed with 24 karat gold. That's his dream. I'm looking to build a great big empire. He says, there is no doubt I have a plan. I have a course of action. And right now I'm kind of looking for a mentor. Kind of. Um, in mid-March, Joseph attended the Toronto Real Estate Wealth Expo. A jungle of real estate gurus and their 15,000 disciples who paid up to $500 per ticket. Let's do the math there. $7.5 million. Really? Yeah. You're fast. No, that's the first thing I did was the oh, math I was when say, I read this over the Because that's like too many zeros for me. Um, okay. Only to be told to invest in what is actually one of the worst buyer's markets in Canada. And while life coach Tony Robbins and singer Pitbull... Because, you know, who better to get real estate advice from than Pitbull? Well, those two, I mean, what a what a right. combination. I would not right. have ever guessed so that. Tony Robbins and Pitbull fired up the crowd into impulsive mode. A lineup of personalities preached that despite record high Toronto house prices, now is the actually an ideal time to buy. Crazy. The presenters all had personal stakes in the market. I think that's really important. Presenters all have personal stakes in the market. But attendees ignored the conflict of interest, and the event, disguised as a conference and a concert, became a full-day sermon on buying real estate 
as the greatest good. Uh, fear will kill you. Fear will drown you, said Daryl King, who is selling properties upwards of $8.8 million through the greater Toronto and Ontario. Just jump in, chanted Inez Kurdrick, a downtown realtor. On the same panel, Brad Lamb, nicknamed the Condo King, who has built eight high-rises in Toronto, declared Toronto has become one of the last safe havens in the world. Pretty sure that's all BS. Um, in reality, a consensus is emerging that Toronto is, in fact, a buyer's hell. The average house price in Greater Toronto sold for $916,000 last month, up more than 30% from the year before. 30%. Um, this event is a blood sucking event, said Clark Lord, a musician and artist who bought tickets solely to see Tony Robbins. Um, They're telling everyone that they can be millionaires when we can't even pay for food. Uh, Let's see. And then there's some people saying, like, this is the very hugest, just the very hugest of all, (laughs) said Raymond Aaron, a personal finance guru who is supposed to present on automatic prosperity. I don't even know what that means. But instead spent his stage time selling his two-day course. You're going to go berserk. I'm going to do something unbelievably special. Another giant, giant bonus. This is the very, 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 very hugest. It's not $5,000. It's $697, right? Do you like my... Chilling there. That's exactly how I was reading it in my head as well. Okay, here's here's Rachel's favorite. (laughs) The most aggressive salesman was realtor Tim Payne, a presenter who was expected to spill secrets on flipping houses, but spent nearly two hours advertising his $995 three-day course, charging an extra $6,000 for access to contacts. I don't even understand what he says next. I want to kick your legs out. And choke you until you're wealthy. What does that mean? I don't know. But that's what he said. I want to kick your legs out and choke you until you're wealthy, he said. As the father of six boys, he boasted to the crowd, I feed them money. They just crap out money. What the hell is wrong with these people? This market has made people crazy. Crazy. Um, yeah, so Joseph, remember Joseph that we visited in the beginning, 24 <laughs> years old, he's going to play everything in gold. Uh, he goes, I just know I want to be around mansions. I look at them, I'm in love with them, I study them. His future house, marble floors, 30-foot ceilings, maybe a tennis court, maybe not a tennis court, I'm not really a tennis guy, and a big, big, big hanger for a variety of cars. He currently lives with the roommates in an apartment for $800 a month, and he works going door-to-door selling solar panels on commission. Uh, he he uh, was a former college basketball player and uh, lived in Windsor, uh, Canada, and then left uh, to find wealth. Um, it's... Uh, my point to this, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think in most all of your shows is, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. I mean, wealth could come with hard work, but, you know, I don't know. Like, I hear about these things never as extreme as that one. Insane. Which, it just seems right. nuts. So my point is that the market goes crazy. People get crazier. And it kind of comes from both sides. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from break. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to today's show where the keyword is crazy. As we were swapping stories over a break that had absolutely nothing to do with real estate, and yet the crazy theme kept coming up. Yes. Your son was walking barefoot through the Walmart parking lot? Yes. Ew. Crazy. It is. I don't even want to know. He's never done that, ever. He's 10. He's never done that. And I just said, I don't know what happens. Is I don't, I don't know what just happened You walk happened into Walmart you. and you come out and you take your shoes off. Okay, you tell him that Lady Deb does not approve. All right, so we were talking today about how not to be a crazy seller, really not how not to be unreasonable. And if you're a buyer, things to look out for, how to identify an unreasonable buyer uh, or seller. Um, you know, I've got some clients who are considering two different homes, and both of the homes, my clients... God bless them. I love them to death. But they have a knack for finding unreasonable sellers. Um, So it's been good. I've had a very frank conversation with them um, to say, you know, look, these sellers are sending out every signal in the world that they are unreasonable. And we can move down that path and see what we can work out with them. But you need to be aware that it's probably going to be a bumpy path as it typically is with unreasonable sellers. And it's not so bad if you're sort of prepared to deal with it. Then it actually becomes a little entertaining sometimes, too, because you just think, all right, what are they going to come back with this time? I read something over the weekend on a message board. I, I really think I may get it tattooed on my forearm. 
um, maybe with a henna tattoo that fades, but uh, it was a fellow realtor had said, uh, difficult sellers are usually perfectly lovely when they get frustrated enough to be reasonable. Say that again. Difficult sellers are usually perfectly lovely when they get frustrated enough to be reasonable. Okay. That makes sense? It does. Yeah. Once they get down that path and they realize that their game isn't working. That crazy doesn't work. Then maybe their house isn't the best house on the entire planet. (laughs) And that being on a cul-de-sac location (laughs) doesn't warrant an extra $100,000. There is a house that went on the market Monday, I think, Sunday. And uh, it was priced $30,000 higher than any house in this neighborhood has ever sold for. And it was a flip. Um, And I was cracking up this morning because another house on that same street came on the market this morning Mm -hmm. for $60,000 less than that one. That sounds like my neighborhood. And it's like, uh, which one's going to sell first? You know, you you knock down a wall. That's great. But other than that, and, you know, so, but to me now, what does that tell you as a buyer? You're looking at that house that's priced $60,000 more than its competition. That's the exact same price, exact same number of bedrooms, exact same number of bathrooms. It tells you there's a good chance that that seller is a little bit unreasonable. So be aware. Um, I had another example. I'm going to try and do it without using names. <laughs> so there was this house that was listed last year. And I think the price was so-so, but it obviously had some condition issues when you walked through it. Um, there was weird foam that was like popping up out of the floor between the wall and the floor in a closet that indicated there had been some sinking. And there were some cracks and there were some weird smells and there was just some things going on. It didn't sell, it didn't sell, it didn't sell. So that was, you know, red flag number one, house not selling in a neighborhood where it should sell. Um, And then it got an offer, and then that one fell through. And in our system, we can see when something got an offer, and we can see when it comes back on the market, but they don't advertise necessarily why. Uh, And I certainly can't keep track of every house that comes back on the market. Um, But uh, anyways, and then they got another offer, and then that one fell through. So now you had two offers fall through. That's another red flag. So house has been on the market a really long time during a busy season. And multiple offers that have fallen through. Mm-hmm. You start to ask questions. Well, my clients love the house. So we go and look at it. And they give us some documentation. And they say, yeah, yeah, we had some inspection issues. They didn't deal with them the first time around. Then they decided to deal with them the second time around, but not fully, only partially. So now they say, you can buy the house, but we're still going to give you some credit at closing so that you can do the rest of the work that needs to be done in terms of the found, the crawl space, having problems. Okay. So now we got another red flag because now the deal's starting to get complicated. Remember, we always talk about keep it simple, stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Then, so my clients make an offer, and we try to go back and forth, but we know when you make an offer usually give the other side a deadline to respond. And I usually try to be pretty reasonable about that. They were ignoring our deadlines and just responding whenever they wanted to. So my buyers are getting mad and I'm like, you know, nothing, uh, you have an unreasonable seller. I can't fix that, you know. Um, and And then they've ended up getting another offer. So my buyers felt like they were just stretching things out because they thought maybe they would have a second offer coming. So the second offer came in, they went with the second offer instead of my buyers. Great, fine. 
A few weeks pass. Oh, look, the house comes back on the market again. For the third time. For the third time. And so out of curiosity at this point, I contact the listing agent. I'm like, what's up? And he said, well, you know, there's still some more work beyond what had even needed to be done. And they, so I don't even know. Um, so more issues that had not been dealt with that needed to be dealt with. They kept trying to kind of do as cheaply as possible. And, you know, and they were just short every time. So um, I don't know where things stand. They dropped the price another like $10,000 yesterday or the day before. Oh, it's still on the oh, market. Oh, yeah, it's still on the market. Okay. Um, and they just have really taken the price way, way down now. And they're selling it as is now, which is another huge flag of what's going on with that. So I guess, you know, the moral to that story is I think they are now becoming lovely and more reasonable because they have dropped the price so much. But it took them a year to get there. Maybe people can afford, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they can, Maybe right? they could afford that time and, and and all that energy. And I just don't know. Like, I would try to figure out how I could find the means to get the repairs done in the proper way. Right. You know, safely and soundly. And let's just get this house sold. But. Right. I mean. Yeah. I so know. my buyers moved on to another house that's pretty much the same situation. <laughs> it's had two offers fall through. It's in one of the most popular neighborhoods. It's been on the market for on and off over a year. And, uh, yeah. They're like, oh, that's all just cosmetic. I'm like, the ceiling's like literally caving in. Just cosmetic, it's fine. So those are some signs um, that uh, you've got an unrealistic seller. But now, why are sellers being unrealistic? Because they're listening to things like what's going on in Toronto. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, and so this, I pulled up a story off of MSN um, because I thought it was some pretty good information. It really kind of boils everything down. So I apologize for reading yet another story, but sometimes other people have better words than I do. Uh, shocking, I know. Um, anyone who is eager to buy a home this spring probably has... Uh, reasons to feel good the job market is solid average pay is rising mortgage rates even after edging up of late are still near hysteric historic lows hysteric lows too <laughs> so they're saying you should feel good if you if you're wanting to buy you should feel you know confident um but then there's the bad news just try to find a house and this is totally what we're going through the national supply of homes for sale hasn't been this thin in nearly 20 years and over the past year the steepest drop in supply has occurred among homes that are typically most affordable for first time buyers uh, in in markets uh, where prices have sh- risen sharply in markets like San Diego, Boston and Seattle competition for dwindling for a dwindling supply has escalated along with the pressure to offer more money and accept less favorable terms. Sellers will have the edge again this year. And home buyers are really going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as uh, housing choice is concerned. And this, the reason I like the story is because this article is, gives some examples. The intensity of the competition this spring has sur- surprised even sellers like Kathleen Mulcahy, I think she's Irish, a uh, 37-year-old product manager in Seattle. Within a week of listing her one-bedroom, one-bath condo, Mulcahy received 21 offers. Oh, my gosh. All above her asking price of $398,000. Most of the offers came in came with built-in triggers to automatically rise in, in case a rival bidder sweetened a bid. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about the escalation clause. Yes. That's what they were doing here. In the end, she accepted an offer of $500,000 all cash. 
Her original list price was three ninety eight. Uh, it was a lot more than I expected. Okay, he said. This we're also understatement of the century. So one tip tomorrow says. Uh, yet the the change landscape cuts both ways, facing higher prices and competition herself. Interesting twist here. Mulcahy has decided for now to put off buying another home. Uh, And she is going to rent for a few years. And I have some clients like that, too. They called me and they said, you know, we really don't anticipate going anywhere in a couple, you know, in the next few years. But we think we should jump now and take advantage of the market uh, and put our house on the market. And so they did. And they're going to rent for a while. About 1.75 million homes were for sale nationally at the end of February, according to the National Association of Realtors. And that's down 6.4% from a year earlier and only slightly up from January when listings reached their lowest point ever since the association began tracking them in 1991. So that was the lowest number of listings. Um, Let's see here. Since So here are some of the factors that have fueled this decline. And I think we've talked about some of these. But since 2008, this one was new to me. Since 2008, the average time homeowners have stayed in their houses before selling has doubled to nearly eight years. So most people just stay in their homes for well, eight years. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought that. On average, yeah. How long have you been in yours? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> Time to move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're the weird exception, though. Yeah, right. We'll probably never move. But. Right. Um, yeah, since so on average eight years. Um, many homeowners aren't selling for fear that they wouldn't find a new home that they would like and could afford. Uh, some who have locked in ultra-low fixed mortgage rates may be reluctant to take on a new loan at a higher rate because some people got locked in around 3% and they're up closer to 4 now. Yeah. Um, others may wish to sell but can't because they own one of the three point two million homes that are worth less than what's owed on them. So some people, a lot of people are still upside down on their mortgages. Uh, some, uh, this is the one that, uh, you know, applies to me. Investors who typically keep pro- properties for disproportionately long periods of time own a larger share of the homes because between 2006 and 2016, um, the share of U.S. single family houses and condos owned by investors averaged around 30% and reached 35% last year. So just like we were doing when the market took that turn, we were scooping up properties really inexpensively and we're effectively taking those off the market because that's our retirement plan. And so we're going to be holding on to those for a long time. And so that has uh, diminished the number of homes that are available. Um, builders are, uh, nor builders replenishing the stock of new homes fast enough, though the pace of building has been rising. It has yet to make up for the years of sluggish construction growth that followed the housing bust. Uh, builders complain that they can't build more homes because of lack of ready to build land, costly regulations, and a chronic shortage of skilled workers. Uh, we are building homes now at 65% of the rate we have historically. So I thought that was a, a, a really interesting aspect of it. Um, let's see. I don't want to bore you with too many numbers. Um, but I did want to, uh, uh, on average, here's an example in Denver. On average, uh, sellers are receiving five to seven offers this spring. So Stephanie Collins, a Redfin agent in Denver. She had one home this year that drew 15 offers. Another got 52. Two. Could you imagine if that happened here in our market? I was trying to think of how you do deal with 52, like spread out in front of you or something. I mean, there were gonna have to be some that you'd be like, all right, just throw that one away. You know, like that doesn't even. Yeah, there yeah. was a house that came on the market last week that I needed to sell because the, the owners of it were buying one of my listings. 
And uh, I knew it was priced really, really well. And it got at least six offers that I know of the day that it went on the market. So we have a little bit of that, not quite so much. Um, in one, uh, But I thought this was interesting, too. So after months of looking for a new home, a woman named Elena D'Onofrio recently bought a 700-square-foot one-bedroom house in Denver and hoping to dissuade rival buyers, bidders, she agreed to pay $18,000 above the seller's 308 asking price. That's not bad. Uh, but that wasn't all she had to do. She had to surrender the right to back out of the contract if a home inspection turned up any major problem. And she agreed not to ask the seller to make any repairs. And she also pushed back the closing date to give the seller more time to move. Basically, I'm buying it as is, she said. It was really difficult to find something in the price range I wanted and where I wanted, and it's pure luck that I did. So that's a little bit of an explanation as to why we're in this seller's market. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the signs uh, and what to expect when you're dealing with an unreasonable seller. So hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to RealRealEstateToday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit RealRealEstateToday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
All right, welcome back. We are talking a little bit about unreasonable sellers today. And I wanted to, uh, we, we kind of teased this if you saw any of our pre-show promos. Uh, you know, we, we just talked about why the market around here is a seller's market and how stressful that can be for buyers in a number of ways. But I wanted to bring out the bright side, that at least we're not in England. Because in England, they have a thing called gazumping. Okay, what is that? G-A-Z-U-M-P-I-N-G. And you can be gazumped. So if you're a buyer and you make an offer, why well, that's a funny word. I it's know. funny. I feel like there should be a, a bubble over my head, you know, like Batman. Yeah. Gazumps. Yes. Right. Okay. okay. Um, we will now use that as our internal. <laughs> Something <laughs> okay. goes wrong, we'll say gazump. Um, so when you, when you make an offer on a property in uh, England, now this is legal in England and Wales, but not Scotland, I've discovered go figure, um, that uh, you have a sales agreement. But a sales agreement is not a contract. And you have to jump through a lot of hoops before you get the contract. I think you go to your attorney, which, you know, they call your solicitor. Um, and uh, I had a little trouble reading some of the stuff because they were using terms. I was like, oh, I don't know what yeah. that means. So I'm like having to cross-check everything. Um, but anyways, to prepare the contract is not something that's done necessarily right away. And if someone comes in with a higher offer than you, then you've been gazumped. Oh. And the the buy the seller can walk away from your offer and go with a higher offer. We need to use a word like that when this happens here. Yeah, except it can't happen here because once you have a contract, you have a contract, and the the seller can't walk away even if they get a better offer. Well, maybe we, that word can come into play. We'll whenever. make up an we'll make yeah. up our own definition yeah. of it for sure. So at least you can't be gazumped because um, it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate occurrence and. Um, it, has, it happens to about a fifth of the buyers in the United Kingdom. That is just... Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about the signs of an unreasonable seller, things like the home has been on the market for longer than everything else in the neighborhood, or there have been multiple offers that have fallen through, or it's priced significantly above the average. You know, priced a little bit high is okay. We're pushing the market, and the market's bearing it right now. But to be priced, you know... 10, 15, 20% above anything else that's ever sold in that neighborhood is probably a little high and a good sign that the seller might be unreasonable. Now, in addition to being difficult to uh, negotiate with, because a lot of people are like, well, the house isn't worth that. It's not worth 270, so I'm going to offer them 205. Well, that's great. That's not going to get you a response. I had some clients do that last week. And I was like, I'm right there with you on what I think the house is worth and what you're offering, in my opinion, is right in line with that. But the fact of the matter is I can't force. They get, like, really mad. The buyers get really mad. Why won't the sellers? That's what the house is worth. Why won't the sellers take that (laughs) offer? Because they are unreasonable. They're just not there yet. And we need to get them frustrated enough so that they become lovely. Lovely. Right? That's our goal. Frustrate them enough to become lovely. Some other ways that buyers, sellers, I'm going to mix that up all the time. My sellers uh, signs or what to expect if you're dealing with an unreasonable seller. Here's another one I dealt with last week. Rachel doesn't know the story, but a friend of hers is buying a house. And uh, Rachel was with the friend at the home inspection. And she sends me a text. She goes, is it normal for the seller to be here? I was like, no, is the seller there? And she's like, yeah, it's really uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. And I think he eventually left. Well, we needed to do some more inspections this past week. And so I had to clear that with the seller. When the seller happened to be the realtor and the owner. Mm. So he's a realtor. He should know better, right? He says, well, I'd really like to be there for that, that you know, inspection, that secondary inspection. 
And I was like, no. So in that case, though, when the realtor is also the owner, yeah. um, usually is that who the inspection company sets up the... Yeah, the, the appointment yeah. with yeah, okay, so they to get would know into the mm-hmm. house, yeah, okay. to get permission to go into the house. Okay, and the house was vacant, and so I was just asking, you know, hey, is it cool? We over here, you know, yada yada. Let some people in to take a look at a few specific things. Okay. I will be there, you know, because yeah. I would really like to be there. His rationale, God bless him, was that a lot of times women don't have a good understanding of what the contractors are saying to us. No. I did not tell that to my client because I knew her head would explode. No. Yeah. And I sat there in silence on the phone. I didn't have any response. It was just complete silence. That's the second time this year that someone has said something like that to me. One of them was a female realtor. Oh, my gosh. I was like, you are breaking so many laws right now. But anyways, moving on. Yeah, so I ended up telling the guy, I said, well, you've obviously put so much work into the house that the buyer is just, she doesn't want to insult you by, you know, asking questions or questioning any of the hard work that you've put into the house. And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's sweet. (laughs) I was like. Because that's what a girl would say. Oh, man. But they will be there. I mean, I've had sellers who will sit there throughout an open house, you know, that just won't leave and just don't get it. And they just, yeah. yeah. And so that's a good sign that you've got an unreasonable seller. Um, uh, unreasonable sellers ignore what the inspections are telling you. Again, we've talked about this. We see multiple deals fall apart um, or fall through, and the sellers just aren't willing to hear what the inspectors uh, are saying. Um with, uh, if you come across an unreasonable seller, you definitely want to make sure that your contracts are clear and clean and as specific as possible. Um, one of the stories I always tell is I had a, um, a seller. There's a house, two houses down from your house. They removed all the towel bars in all the bathrooms at closing. What? She said, well, I didn't think the buyer would want them. What? And my buyer was like, my buyer had just gone through a divorce. She's like, I don't even have any tools. I have nothing. I have no place that I made the listing agent. I was like, you, go fix this and make it better. I was pissed. I bet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's like, I just, I didn't think she'd want them. So it was just like gaping holes and all that. But yeah, slightly unreasonable. But here's another one. This is a good story, too. Um, There was a listing and uh, the house was listed with a realtor. A few weeks later, they decided they wanted to change realtors, which sometimes can be. And their original realtor was a very, very good realtor. Good friend of mine, but very good realtor. So making that switch, it kind of makes you go, oh, there's something going on there. You know, maybe some unreasonableness. Anyways, the house sells. And when the buyers go through at closing or right after closing, the entire organization's closet system had been removed and it was permanently attached. So it's definitely something that would stay holes, gaping holes everywhere because they had ripped everything out of the walls. And uh, so that buyer's agent went to the listing agent and said, you know, Hey, what's up? You know, this is, this is wrong. And they said, Oh, well they just picked that up for $25 at a garage sale. So here we'll give you $25. Okay. Well, here's the thing. They're big fat liars because the house had been listed a couple years before. I had actually done an open house there for a friend of mine. And we had pictures in the MLS of the closet organizers that had been there predated these people selling the house. Interesting. So they did not. Uh, and the whole thing ended up in court. Wow. I don't know how it got that- resolved because I wasn't one of the realtors involved. I just kind of heard about the story. Oh but, yeah, sign of an unreasonable seller for sure. Um, I had someone once, a seller, push back on closing cost assistance. 
And this one blew my mind too. So I had the buyer. And you know, a lot of times with buyers, we ask the seller to help cover those costs that are associated with getting the mortgage. Um, And I always counsel my sellers, don't care about that. Care about what your bottom line is. Right. That's the only thing that it should matter. And we actually added money in so that it could, you know, their bottom line would still be really good. Mm-hmm. Said, no way. I will not pay buyer's closing costs. Won't do it. Didn't, didn't care about his bottom line. So we didn't get the deal. And, uh, yeah, and the house sat on the market for at least another six months, I think. I don't know what he ended up doing. That just reminded just me like, of, a, of a real quick story where I had, um, there were a lot of counteroffers and all this going back and forth, amendments, addendums, you know, <laughs> everything you could imagine was layered on top of this. And uh, we needed, I needed something that just kind of summarized everything. I can't remember what all the steps, but anyways, the seller said, I'm not doing that told the buyers that they needed to go to a different lender. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you remember this. It's probably a couple of years ago, but it said, no, that sounds shady to me. And they have, like, all 18 trailing pieces. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing that. Oh, my gosh. And so they, they did. They went somewhere else, but I packaged up all their stuff. And they did one brand-new purchase agreement yeah. with what I had asked for and they started it that way with the new lender and it got done oh my gosh yeah um how about this one have you ever seen this where the price gets raised no but there's no explanation actually I had someone inquire this morning about a house they said what do you know about this house and I looked it up and I knew my tree trimmer used to rent it that's all I know or it's where Kevin used to live um so that's really all I knew about it except that it was listed in January for $10,000 less than it's listed today. So they raised the price 10000 but it's been on and off the market for a couple of years. So what does that tell you? Uh, well, maybe, th- I don't know. Maybe they did something. Maybe they did something to the inside. Sure. But it's probably something that needed to be done anyways. But if you're going to do that, then you should probably put it in the listing. I would think. Because most people are going to be like, why did you raise price? But I've seriously, I've had sellers go, I had someone once and I'm trying to remember the details and I don't because I think I blacked it out. But I remember having a conversation with a seller who said, I think the house isn't selling because it's priced too low. So we want to raise the price. Meaning like they maybe someone sees a low price and thinks maybe something's wrong. Yeah. That's why it's so low. Right. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting. We sold fact. it. I just can't remember what property is. Like I said, I think I blacked that out. Mm. Um, when we come back from break, I want to talk a little bit about feedback. Um, because I think that's another way where sellers are sometimes, you know, they get on the defensive. And I get that this is your home and you have memories bound to it. But when you put your house on the market, it then becomes a commodity. And so you've got to find a way to detach yourself. I can't help you with that. I know a hypnotist who probably could help you with that. Uh, so I can provide some referrals to that. So stick around. We'll talk about feedback and uh, finish up. When we come back, you're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. 
You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision. One that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back. Last segment. I think I went over on all my other segments, so I got to talk really fast during this segment. But one of the things I wanted to talk about and touch on was uh, feedback. You know, sellers are always anxious for feedback. I always try to, I joke with my sellers and I go, now don't call me the second that the showing's over and expect me to have feedback. It takes a little while. Um, but we do try to ask the other agents for feedback. Um, some agents will absolutely positively not give you feedback. I can tell you their names. Um, I'm joking. But um, most of us try to be you know, helpful to each other because we're all kind of in this together. So if I see something or there's something that really, you know, wow, your house smells like cabbage, um, you know, I've had that once, um, then, you know, I'm going to tell the other agent that so that maybe they can use that with their sellers. Um, so that when you get feedback as a seller, that's the market talking to you. And you really need to listen because that's who you're trying to sell to. Um, and so sometimes it's useful and sometimes it's too vague to be useful, but usually even vague is useful. Um, there is an article that I'm going to have Rachel put up because I know we don't have time to really go through it, but it's called um, Decoding Buyer Feedback When Selling a Home by Lynn Pineda. Um, she wrote it in a blog and I thought it was really, really well written. It was one of those where like every word I was like, amen, sister, amen, you know. Um, and so she goes through and she talks about 
You know, if a seller, you get the feedback says your home is too small. You know, what does that mean? It means that the buyer found larger homes in a similar price range. And so you need to kind of evaluate, uh, you know, if your home is priced correctly. Um, We liked your home, but we found another one to buy. You know, I always tell people, if you are the bridesmaid, but never the bride, or you are a runner-up, but you are never the winner, if that's happened to you several times, because sometimes you get homes and you're always second place, Mm -hmm. then it's like you are helping other people sell their homes. And they appreciate that help, but that's not helping you get to your goal. And so you need to really reevaluate at that point in time. Um, You know, we didn't like the carpeting in your home. Sometimes you get something like that or didn't care for some of the finishes. We thought the yard was too small. Um, Those are all things that, uh, you know, you can learn something about. Mm -hmm. But I loved her last one, which was we didn't like the home's layout. And we get that a lot. Uh, and she says, what that means is they didn't like the home's layout. <laughs> yeah. like, that exactly. one is not read between the lines. Right? I mean, generally, there's not much you can do about that unless you've got furniture funky, you know, placed funky. And, you know, um, but you're probably not going to take a wall out in order to sell your house. And people do need to feel your home. You know, it may be perfect for your family, but it may not be perfect for another family, uh, depending on how they live. So, um you know, I thought that was pretty powerful. But even the vague stuff, you can, and I think that's a lesson for me, too, sometimes to remember. Because I think sometimes I get feedback from an agent and I'll forward onto my sellers and go, well, there's not a lot we can do with this. I mean, maybe there is. Maybe we need to just sort of start to keep track. And if we're getting repetitive feedback, they don't like the layout, they don't like the layout. Okay, you know, maybe we're marketing to the wrong people. I don't know. Um, so, you know, like I said, and if you're hearing crickets, there's no offers, there's no showings, the vague feedback. You know, you still need to listen to that, too. There was a story I read. Um, this is a good one. Uh, that it was. Uh, I was reading a blog, and someone posted this as a comment. Uh, that she, I went to a home for a house for a home staging consultation. She's a home stager. It was an expensive house in an expensive neighborhood, and there were piles of dog poop everywhere. The poop was tiny as she had a very small dog, but still it was dog poop. Uh, When I mentioned the poop would be a turnoff for buyers, she said it was too difficult to keep up with it and buyers would just have to get over it. Which I hear a lot. Is this inside the house or outside of the inside house? Inside the house. Oh, my gosh. I told her that I thought it was best that she and her dog move out of the house before putting it on the market. She thought I was crazy to be offended by her cute little dog poops. Needless to say, I did not stage the house. Three years later, it is still on the market. I expect the dog poop was a big turnoff for buyers. Oh, my gosh. Dog poop's probably still there. It probably is. Yeah. So, you know, again, take that feedback. It's not a personal insult. Mm -hmm. You have to take it and you have to do something with it if you really want to sell your house. Uh, Something else that unreasonable sellers do, showing restrictions. One of my favorites. I saw one recently that said showings could only be from four to six on Saturdays. I remember you mentioned that. I don't know if you did it on air or off the air, but I thought, okay, well, that's a pretty large window of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Turning down showings, making the property difficult to access. Uh, Oh, there was one that I had to show once, and the lockbox was on the back door. I don't know why it wasn't on the front door, whether it was because they didn't have a key or whether they didn't want it to be obvious or what, even though they had a for sale sign in the front yard. So you had to walk around the back of the house. There's no sidewalk around the back of the house. And also, yeah, it was wintertime. Yeah, so my feet were completely snow-covered. By the time we got to the back door, or like I got to the back door to then go around to the front and let my clients, don't do that. Um, that's just not inviting 
Um, and then I think just in general, you know, taking an us versus them mentality, that whole, you know, this is war. Uh, again, you know, I really honestly believe that most of the time you can and you should strive to create win-win situations. I think that's good karma. I think it's possible in most cases. And I think it feels so much better at the end of the day, especially if this is your home you're moving into. You want to have, you know, good feelings surrounding the whole closing. So if you're a seller, detach from your home. It's not your home anymore. We talked about that. It's a product. It's a commodity. Um, listen to the experts that you have chosen to advise you, that you have hired. If you are putting non-professionals' opinions ahead of the person you have hired and are paying to work for you, you probably need to rethink things. Um, if you cannot trust the person you've chosen to work for you, you don't trust and believe what they say, then maybe you need to make a change. Listen to the market. Silence has meaning. Uh, and be really, really clear on your goals uh, and your needs and your wants. You know, I believe this in every aspect of life. Why are you moving? Are you just testing the market? I get that. Or do you really need to move? Is the house vacant? You know, how long can you carry these double payments? These are, you know, be really realistic about what you need. And one of the things my very first broker ever taught me, a phrase that he used to use was, what's the value in just being done with it? You know, is there value in just being done with it and allowing yourself to move on to the next adventure, next chapter, next phase of your life? So really think about that because when you have super clear goals, it helps guide you in making good, smart decisions and it really helps keep you be reasonable. That's my soapbox for today. Yes. I'm going to use that in my own personal, like my personal mantra. Yeah. Yeah. The value being done with it. Yeah. Well, you can thank thank Larry Pickens for that. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hopefully that was inspiring and not negative. I Not inspiring, but hopefully that didn't come across as too negative. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should talk about unreasonable buyers next week. <laughs> maybe. You probably uh, have some this I week. Probably, yeah, I probably will. We'll see how this week goes. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Um, remember, you can download all of our episodes on iTunes or on voiceamerica.com and listen in especially if you're in the middle of the process of uh, thinking about buying or selling. There's some good stuff there you can listen to. Uh, We will be back next week on Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.